scriptures in a way that is going to wow the crowd? Or are we actually going to build them up and uh, do that through the labor throughout the week of pouring into the lives of these uh, men and women like Christ did? And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them. On today's episode, we're going to be discussing the idea of whether or not the pulpit is enough. Hello and welcome to this episode of General Order 4. Uh, I'm Simeon Brazel and I'm joined as usual by Pastor Brian Stewart. Good day. And we are grateful today for um, the ability that we have to come and share some things with you. We're looking forward to it. And uh, we just want to kind of dive right in. The, today's topic is, is the pulpit enough? A little bit of background here from, from my perspective. Um, I've grown up in churches where um, the emphasis of the ministry, for the most part, was on the pulpit. And again, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but we wanted to take a look at the um, idea of if the pulpit is really enough for the growth of the body of Christ. And so we're going to start by looking at what Christ did in his earthly ministry, of course, because he's our example in all things. And we're going to see uh, what he did, how often he was using, he, obviously he wasn't using a physical pulpit, but how often he was using the preaching ministry and how often he was doing things with individuals. And I think if we just stop for a second and we don't have to sit down and tally out each of these things and count them up, but if you've read through your New Testament, you should be pretty aware of which one of those he did more often. He did a lot more of teaching individuals than he did preaching mm-hmm. from the pulpit. And so we're going to kind of dive in. We want to apply this in a couple of different ways, and we're going to start by applying it to the pastor. So is the pulpit enough for the ministry of the pastor? Uh, pastor Stewart, if you kind of want to touch on that a little bit. Sure. I also would like to kind of add my own, uh, where I'm coming from. First of all, I'm a pastor. I pastor a church. I enjoy preaching to the congregation that God has given me. And so we're not trying to say that, de-emphasize preaching from the pulpit. What we're trying to do is show that, uh, that our desire is to look to the example of Christ and show how he did things. And really looking at it from this perspective of uh, there's more than one tool to accomplish the growth and maturity of the believer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Christ demonstrates that through his discipling his disciples. Uh, did he preach? Absolutely. Did he preach to the crowds? Absolutely. But as we look at these things, hopefully we'll see uh, what he has revealed to me, and that is that we need to be uh, using more tools than just the pulpit. And so is the pulpit important? Absolutely. Uh, we're not trying to de-emphasize the importance of the pulpit, but we are trying to help understand, and I think there's a, um, a misnomer today that we can do everything from the pulpit. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't necessarily buy into that. And part of the reason is to use an illustration from uh, like a carpenter. Does a carpenter go to the job and all he does is carry a hammer? Now, is the hammer important? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he can't yeah. do his job without it. But it's not the only tool that he uses to get the job done. He needs a saw. He needs a pencil. He needs a ruler. Mm-hmm. He needs many other tools to be able to accomplish the job. And that's kind of the focus of our 
uh, episode today is we want to focus on the fact that, yes, pulpit ministry and preaching is important, but there are other things that are equally important to seeing every individual. Remember, what is the goal? Is uh, What is God's goal? That none perish, that all come to repentance. We know that's not going to all happen because there's going to be people that end up going into the lake of fire and it's unfortunate. But those that do receive him, it is God's desire that every one of them conform to the image of Christ. And if we just try and preach only, then we're not going to see that happen. And that's what we have seen over the years. So let's look at Jesus's ministry. If you would look with me to Matthew chapter uh, 5 and verse 1 and following, in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 1 and following, he says, here is the beginning of what we call the Sermon of the Mount, one of the longest uh, sermons that we have recorded of Christ, his preaching. But notice who he's preaching to. In Matthew 5, 1, it says, and seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. Now, just stop and think about that for a minute. If you have a crowd in the valley and you go up into the mountain, what is that travel going to be like? It's going to be a difficult travel to go up to the mountain. So you're going to have less people following you if your path is difficult. Mm -hmm. He purposely makes this a difficult path because notice what he does. He goes up into the mountain, and when he was set, when he settled into wherever he was going to sit down, his disciples came unto him. And so it was the disciples that followed him. It wasn't the multitudes. Right. Now, most of us today as pastors, we would say, all right, go teach 10 people or go preach to 1,000. What would, what would we take? Most of us, if we're take, honest, yeah, take would probably take, take preaching to the 1,000 because we would think that there would be more effect, that there would be more chance for opportunity and ministry to that group. But we see Christ doing just the opposite. And he takes his disciples, and these are the ones that were willing to make the difficult journey up the mountain mm -hmm. to come and see him. And so he, he purposely avoids speaking to the masses so that he can minister to the few. But what was his commission going to be to these few when he was done training them? was to go minister to the masses, right? Mm -hmm. And so he wasn't ignoring the masses. He was not not wanting to minister to them. But his whole approach was to do it through ministering to the few. Right. And so that's what we see here in the Sermon on the Mount. I think it's interesting when you go over, um, that's the first large sermon that we find from Christ. The last large sermon that we find from Christ is what we call the Olivet Discourse. And that is um, found in three places in the New Testament. But one of the places that it's found in Mark chapter number 13, it says specifically who he's speaking to. In Matthew, it says he's speaking to his disciples. Um, and that's that could be a group of, sometimes that's a group of 70, sometimes that's a group of 12, sometimes that's a group of three when the Bible says that. So it's not super specific. But in Mark, um, it says, and uh, Mark chapter number 13, verse three, it says, and as he sat upon the Mount of Olives over against the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, tell us when shall these things be and what shall be the sign when all these things shall be fulfilled. So, Jesus proceeds then to give what we call the Olivet Discourse. 
He's not just speaking to a crowd. Again, the second largest sermon、um, recorded in Scripture of Christ is preached to four guys. And I find that interesting that Christ chose to do that. Now, we've talked before on this podcast about、um, what you can share with people and when. So, these, this is meat,、um, this is strong things, this is things that. Um, these disciples who'd been with him for almost the entirety of his earthly ministry at this point, and they still had trouble understanding it.、Um, so he wasn't giving this to everybody. How many times do you find, as you read through the,、uh, the gospel records, the disciples asking Christ, Hey, why do you speak to them in parables? Or tell us the interpretation of this parable. And, and the answer that Jesus gives is,、um, I speak in parables because they're not ready to hear. And those that are ready to hear will understand the parable.、Um, so, Christ was trying to give people what they needed, when they needed it, and how they needed it. And he could only give this information to this select few people、um, in the Olivet Discourse. So, what's the point? Why are we bringing up the Sermon on the Mount and the Olivet Discourse? Why are we angling that and saying, hey, look, look at who he's speaking to? He's speaking to a small group. The purpose of that is. Because we're trying to apply、um, the pulpit ministry to the pastorate. Is the pulpit ministry enough for the ministry that the pastor has been assigned? And I think it's clear if you look at these two things that it is not.、Um, the disciples are receiving direct instruction from their pastor, the Lord Jesus, in a small and in an intimate way, not to the public, not to the mass.、Um, and that. Again, that is necessary. Jesus definitely preached to large groups of people, but most of his ministry was not done with large groups of people. It was done with small groups of people. And so I would venture to say, from the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our perfect example, that the pulpit ministry, when applied to the pastorate,、um, is a part of it, but it's, it's only a part of it. It isn't the whole and the entirety of the ministry. To add to your point there, in Matthew 28, if we fast forward to the end of Christ's earthly ministry, and he's giving his commission to these men that he's been teaching, notice he says that you are to go and teach all nations. And we know by studying the Gospels out that that is the gospel message of Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Then they are to baptize them. And then in verse 20, he says, Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. He's speaking to this group of men and,、uh, and the followers that have followed him. And he says to them, You need to teach what I've taught you.、Uh, so again, his example is a, I've exampled to you how to teach, what to teach. Now, I want you to teach and, and give those commands to those that you get the opportunity when you preach to give them the Word of God. And so, in a very practical sense, I have found in the 20 years that I've been ministering under the、uh, model of discipleship that my pulpit ministry has become more effective. In many respects, because of the grounding that the church family gets in the personal one on one discipleship and then the small classroom settings where、mm-hmm. we teach how to study the Word of God. And so there are some, 
some real blessings and there are some things that come that in a way make my job harder. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if I have a congregation full of people who are growing and maturing in their ability to handle the word of God, what does that mean for me? I can't give up and give a sugar stick message that just sounds sweet because they're not going to get fed. Mm-hmm. And so it puts the onus on me, and it's really a blessing because it keeps me digging. It keeps me having to work hard to produce uh, and allow the Lord really to produce a message in and through me that is going to be effective to continue to help them. So my pulpit ministry goes from trying to teach in that to now all I have to do is put them in remembrance mm-hmm. of the things they've already been taught. And yes, there's some adding to and understanding, but we're not teaching the foundations through the pulpit. We're teaching that on the in the discipleship. And then when we get to the pulpit and they get to understanding that, they now understand things at a much deeper level. And they're able the Holy Spirit's able to take whatever message he gives me and and apply it to the every individual in the room, uh, for, at least to those that are maturing and growing, in a way that I could never do. Mm-hmm. And so it it really allows the pulpit ministry, and it enhances the pulpit ministry when we don't rely on that to do everything. Right. And we allow the Lord to use the the tools that He has given us, and what it does is it produces an even more nuanced and a more mature church body. And if we flip that flip that example on its head, we've been talking about how this applies to the pastor, whether he's doing enough by just preaching in his pulpit, you know, three times a week or however, however often he does that. If we flip that around and we look at the church member and we say, is the pulpit enough for the church member? Now we can use this exact same scenario. You've got Peter, James, John, Andrew, and whatever other disciples you want to look at, after Jesus does preach these large public sermons that he did preach to the masses, what happens? They come to him afterwards and say, hey, explain this to us. Why can they do that? They can do that because they have a relationship with him on an individual basis. So because they are close to him, because they know that um, he's going to be able to answer their questions, that he's going to take the time for them, that he's going to invest in them. After the sermon's over, everyone else goes home. But those men that were close to him, that were his disciples, whether it be the 70, whether it be the 12, um, were able to come to him and say, hey, can you explain this to us um, a little bit more? Can you give us some more insight into this? What did you mean by this or that? And Christ is then able to expound on them. If he was only preaching to the masses, if that pulpit ministry was all that the the ministry of Christ entailed, those men would not have been able to do that. They would have gotten the same thing everybody else got. And I think, you know, what a lot of us will do now is we will say, well, that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit to take and to apply to people's lives what was preached from the pulpit. Yes, that is somewhat true. The the Holy Spirit will do his work. Um, I, you know, I am largely a product of pulpit style ministry um, in, you know, with camps and other things thrown in there. But so it it does, it does work to an extent, but if you're counting on, it's not just the Holy Spirit's job. 
the Holy Spirit's job is to convict and to convince and all of those things. We've talked about that before. If you want to go back, we did an episode on whose job is it, and we did a really thorough kind of look at each piece of that. Um, so that is the Holy Spirit's job, yes, but that individual has to listen to the Holy Spirit. And a lot of the times, he won't listen to the Holy Spirit unless there's somebody encouraging him to do so on a regular basis. And so that discipleship allows you to do that. But from the member's perspective, if I'm just the church member and all I'm getting is the preaching of God's word, I don't have the relationship to go and ask for clarity on something. And so if I'm not in tune with the Holy Spirit, if I haven't matured to the point where I even really know how to listen to the Holy Spirit's leading on things or how to find things in the Bible for myself, um, I'm going to struggle with that if I don't have that relationship where I can go and ask my discipler, hey, what did the pastor mean when he said X? Whatever that thing might be. The, the another thought here is that it, when we talk about the church member, God compares us receiving His word to receiving a meal. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, but I don't eat just three meals a week. Right. Or in some cases, a church member only comes once a week. I don't eat just one big meal a week on Sunday, and that suffices for all week. And so even if I'm doing an awesome job in the pulpit ministry, that pulpit ministry really is nutrition for that moment to prepare for the next few moments. But there's going to be a need in that person's, that believer's life, that they're going to need to be prepared the next morning. Mm-hmm. And they need to be able to get in God's Word on their own. And so even if I was or whoever is the greatest pulpiteer in the history of mankind, aside from Christ. That's still not enough for the church member. Mm-hmm. They need to be able to go to God's Word and study it and, and know it for themselves so that God can speak to them. Here's the thing. As a pastor, I don't want people so dependent on me. Mm-hmm. In fact, I enjoy it when they're not dependent on me. That doesn't threaten my position. That doesn't threaten my calling. That doesn't threaten who I am as the pastor. That actually is my job is to help them to become completely reliant on the Lord. And then I've done my job well. And and I don't know where this idea has come in that as pastors, if we teach everybody how to do what we do, that we all of a sudden are out of a job. God called us to take the gospel to the world. Even if you don't have the position or the office of a pastor in an established church, you still have the gospel and you still have the great commission and you and I still have a lost world that we need to reach. And so, and as far as I know, we still have a father who said, I'll provide for your every need. And if you ask according to my will, I'll do it. Mm -hmm. And so again, I think it really just kind of, there's an element of where's our faith? Um, is our faith in our ability to exegete this, the scriptures in a way that is going to wow the crowd? Or are we actually going to build them up and uh, do that through the labor throughout the week of pouring into the lives of these uh, men and women like Christ did and then use that pulpit ministry to enhance and to help them to grow and give them that nutritional charge, spiritually speaking, to be able to make it through another day, another week, 
and allow the Holy Spirit of God to take and put them in remembrance of the foundation that they've been given as Jesus is continuing to remind them, hey, it's been said, the scriptures have recorded, don't you remember what I told you here? Mm -hmm. Can you remember what I've said here? He's constantly doing that, and in a sense, that's the preaching ministry, right? As is to put people in that remembrance of the things that God has taught them. It's important as well for people to exercise the things that they've been taught, um, which they can't do from a pulpit if they're not a preacher or a pastor. Um, yeah. So they, if, I'll just give you a for instance. There's a couple of these in Scripture. Um, I won't take you to all of them, but um, I know in Luke chapter number 10, Jesus sends them all out two by two after he spent a great deal of time investing in them one-on-one, him and them, and then he sends them out to on two by two to preach into all of the cities um, around about. So that, that's a that's in a preaching sense. Um, but those men still were exercising the things that they were learning. Now, on a not public sense of of the word here, he sends the maniac of Gatera after he is healed um, from his demons are cast out, and he's sane and in his right mind, and then he sends him into his home city to preach the word. Now, he's not standing on a pulpit and preaching. That's just giving the gospel to people, being a testimony, um, but he's exercising what Christ has done in his life. You've got yep. um, you know all kinds, of, uh, all kinds of stories like that all throughout the New Testament. So, as the church member, you, th- sitting in the preaching of God's word is not enough for your growth. Um, sitting under the pulpit ministry of your pastor is not enough for your growth. There's more than that. Yes, you have to be able to figure out how to dig in God's word and hear from God yourself, but you also then have to be able to exercise that, whether that be you actually preaching publicly like the disciples did, or you just simply sharing what you're learning with somebody else, beginning to disciple somebody else. Um, We've talked about before how much good it does and how much you learn when you're teaching somebody else. Um, One of the most effective methods of learning is actually teaching. And so if you can get involved and begin to teach somebody else the things that you've learned, you're going to uh, you're going to benefit from that in ways that are immeasurable. It's neat that you bring that point up because as I think back over those that the Lord has allowed myself or my wife or others in the church to disciple, it is an often statement that once that person starts discipling the next person for the first time, within that first week or two, they come back and they'll say something to the effect of, Pastor, I didn't realize how much I didn't get the first time, mm-hmm. but the Lord is giving it to me this time as I'm teaching it to somebody else. And so uh, God's, this, this statement may sound trite, but God's plan works. Mm-hmm. And he planned for us to be taught it, but he knew the first time we would review it, we wouldn't get everything we needed. So then the next time, we didn't need necessarily somebody to teach it to us, but as we teach it to others, he reveals to us more depth, more understanding, and a a greater appreciation for these foundational truths as we get the privilege of sharing them with others. Mm -hmm. And so it's a real blessing. And All I can say is in my experience, which is very anecdotal, but in my experience, uh, the ability to to disciple and teach people the foundational truths one-on-one or in a small group, ministering to the few, has given me a much greater opportunity to see more people affected with the gospel and affected with the truths of God's word 
in a positive way than any other source of ministry I've ever had. I've not been invited to speak to the multitudes. I have spoken to a few large crowds over the years, but very rarely. Um, most of the time, it's a, a congregation of anywhere from, you know, 25 to, to 150 uh, is where most of the preaching that I get to do. Uh, and so if, if I was relying on preaching to the multitudes, I would be in trouble mm-hmm. as far as being effective for the Lord. But that's not how he measures effectiveness. And that if we just uh, hearken back to an episode where you recorded a week or so ago, um, the multitude doesn't usually stick around when you start preaching the truth. Um, so that's not yeah. that's not preaching to the multitude is usually um, not a permanent solution. So let's transition to is the pulpit enough for the lost? And here's where uh, I'm not trying to be controversial, but if we really take a look at it, the church is its main focus is to do what is to edify the believer. Mm-hmm. And if we believe that, then it is who is supposed to be a part of the church. It's those that are saved, baptized, that become the members of the church. And when the church assembles, it's for the purpose of edifying that body so that, so don't, don't, don't stop listening here, so that they can go out and do the work of the ministry by preaching the gospel mm-hmm. to the people they work with, to the people they do commerce with, to the people that are in their neighborhood, and they can go out and witness to the lost. Somewhere along the line, we have changed the purpose of the church to bring in the lost into the church so that the pastor can give an awesome message to give him the gospel so that everybody gets saved. And now what we've done is we've taken the responsibility of preaching the gospel away from the people Mm -hmm. and put it solely on the pastor and his pulpit ministry. And the lost, why would the lost come to church? If you stop and think of the programs or the, the promotions that we try and do to get the lost to come to church, we try and make it fun. We try and make it exciting. We try and make it this or that. And how effective are we? Now, again, if anybody gets saved and any soul is saved, what a blessing that is. Mm-hmm. But let's stop and think about it. Are there more than one way to do this? And just because we've done it this way for a long time doesn't mean we've got to continue doing it if the Lord shows us that there's a more effective and more uh, appropriate way to accomplish this right. task. Think back to the carpenter. Yes, you could probably uh, cut some wood with a hammer. The claw on the end can be used to cut it. but yeah, And you can make the argument, hey, look, that piece is cut. But then you can compare it to a piece that's cut with a, a saw with a sharp blade, a proper saw, and you're going to see quite a different result. Mm-hmm. And so what, I, what we're suggesting today is let's consider the result Yes, we may be anecdotally able to say, well, we had five people or 10 people saved, but where is the consistent addition and multiplication that's happening? And maybe we ought to consider that the pulpit ministry is not really for the lost. Right. It is for us to edify and build up and remind the believer that they need to take that gospel message to the lost. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, there's there's a place for large evangelistic style um, meetings. Uh, there there is a place for that, but is that to be the model? Is the question. Um, people will point to the book of Acts and they'll say, hey, look, this is what Peter did and saw thousands of people say. This was obviously an evangelistic style sermon. Um, he was uh, he was purposefully provoking people and then pointing out their sin and then preaching to them Christ. Yes, absolutely. Paul, he did the same thing from time to time, but that was not his regular method. His regular method was to reach the individuals, build them up, and establish a church. So, and the same thing with Peter, same thing with the other disciples. What you see um, is, and by the way, the book of Acts is not meant to be a model for how we're supposed to do things now, okay? Um, But it is supposed to display to us the power of God, the things that God is able to do. Can you have an evangelistic uh, tent crusade meeting? Sure. There's nothing wrong with that. You want to invite some people in, and the purpose of that is not for the edifying of the body of Christ. The purpose of that is to preach the gospel to the lost. Sure, if you want to do that, but to make that the model whereby all of our evangelism takes place from a pulpit is it's not an effective model. It's not what that pulpit was designed for. Inviting people to church is a good thing. Is it the primary way that the gospel teaches or that that the Bible teaches us to share the gospel? No. We're supposed to go out into the highways and the hedges. We're supposed to go out and preach the gospel to every creature. So that's not what Christ intended that for us. So is the pulpit ministry enough for the lost? And again, I think the answer is no. Can it be used to reach the lost? Sure. And there's nothing wrong with that. But should it be the primary way by which we attempt to reach the lost? Not at all. That's supposed to be done by the members of the church sharing the gospel with their coworkers, with their friends, with their neighbors, with the people that they run into at the grocery store, wherever they are, because wherever they are is where the gospel is supposed to be getting preached. So, um, just to do a really quick kind of recap on the episode, um, is the pulpit ministry enough for the pastor? Uh, I think we kind of effectively covered that Jesus Christ spent a lot more time teaching the few than he did the many, especially we did a whole episode on that if you want to go back and take a look at that. Um, It's called A Large Harvest with a Small Method. So, uh, I think... The pulpit ministry, I think we've covered that one, is not quite enough for the pastor. What he also needs to be doing is investing in those few people um, in a very intimate way. For the church member, uh, is the pulpit ministry enough for the church member? Um, As Pastor Stewart said, you need more than three meals a week. The church member needs to be able to feed himself from the Word of God. That starts by being taught how to do that um, and matured into at least the young adult stage. We've talked about the stages of growth as well. But they need to be brought at least to that young adult stage so they can learn how to prepare their own food, so to speak, and learn from the scripture. And also they need to be teaching the Bible, which if they're not called to preach, they may never do from a pulpit. All right. So I don't believe the pulpit ministry to be enough for the church member. And then lastly, is the pulpit ministry enough for the lost? And I think all you got to do is to go to one of the five instances of the Great Commission in Scripture, and you'll find out pretty quickly the pulpit ministry isn't enough for the lost either. And so um, I think we've pretty thoroughly covered this topic. If you're still intrigued or you have any particular questions about this, we'd be happy to talk to you about that. You can reach out to us. Um, I'll leave the information to how to do that in the sting. If you have any recommendations for topics, that you'd like to cover, uh, like us to cover, you can reach out to us the same way by email, by Twitter. I'll leave that information for you. Thanks again so much for listening. We appreciate you, and we'll talk to you again next week. God bless you.
Thank you for joining us for this episode of General Order 4. On next week's episode, we will continue our discussion about discipleship. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach out to us by email at generalorder4 at gmail.com. That's F-O-U-R. Or on Twitter, at General Order the number 4. Please like, share, comment, and subscribe.